What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to the first edition of the new year, um, Three Yards Per Carry. I am Alfredo Artiaga. I have Chris Kaufman here. I have Simon Clancy here. And we have a ton to get to, but first of all, we're brought to you by AutoNation. Since AutoNation is America's largest automotive retailer, chances are they have the vehicle you're looking for. Shop from over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. From the luxury of a Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck you always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year, and you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles go through a rigorous 125-point inspection and come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. All right, guys, we're just going to get right into it. No banter, no how did your New Year's go. Gase Mm. fired. Tannenbaum essentially fired. Chris Greer elevated. I'll start with you, Simon. Your thoughts on how this went down, what led up to it, and what you really think of everything that transpired. Crikey, that's a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> what do I think of it? Um, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, uh, I have been a fairly vehement defender of Adam Gaze over the years. It did become fairly clear in the dwindling hours of his tenure Things were not uh, as they appeared. I think it, it was very difficult to see a way back to the way that the final week went. I mean, I think what, you know when you pull yourself back to fourteen or and then end up getting blown out, what twenty four, thirty four, what was it, thirty points to three in the second half or twenty seven points to three? I, I think that's fairly indefensible. I think for the second year running, uh, uh, a fight in which two of your senior players were thrown out of the game is not a good look, especially when you talked so much about changing the culture 
Um, and it was, you know, it became fairly clear that his time was up. I mean, I, essentially he was brought here to win games and he didn't do it. He was brought here to change the offense and he didn't do it. The offense finished, what, 30th or 31st in the league. Mm-hmm. Yes, there were significant injuries. Yes, he missed his quarterback for 22 games. But there were so many little elements to it. You know, it was clear that some of the players were were unhappy. I know Chris reported that there were a number of senior players that were unhappy. Um, there were there were just sort of too many things, I think, that seemed to get in the way. You look at the situation. You know, Chris and I were WhatsApping each other during the game on Sunday and when Kenyon Drake had sort of three carries back to back or two carries and a catch, Chris was like, this was, you know, if Gase does get sacked, this is the ultimate troll. Gase, uh, Drake touches the ball sort of 25 times, runs for 150 yards. And the, the misuse of Kenyon Drake, I think, was a, was an issue. He obviously wasn't helped by the injuries to Albert Wilson, Jaquim Grant, and Wilson tweeted on Sunday that he was very upset and was very disappointed in the fact that if he'd been He had some healthy, very nice words for Adam Gase. So. Yeah, he said he would have been able to prove that the genius that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Tannehill obviously um, put a very nice message on Instagram, and there's very classy. A lot of players out there that, um, yeah, absolutely. Whereas you know there were some, uh, I think there were some, you know, it, it was interesting to see senior players like Cam Wake not come out uh, in defence of the coach. Um, mm-hmm. And you know we don't really know what I mean. What does that mean? What sure. it, it, what were the, what was the context with which the questions were asked? Um, but ultimately, I think it was probably. It was probably time. I do think that he will be a success in the NFL. I do think he will win in the NFL. But maybe he needed he needs to lose and to maybe just come down a peg or two to reassess, reevaluate, rework out what he is and what went wrong uh, to be able to sort of rebuild again. And you know, people said, "Oh, he's got an ego." And he's got look. Everybody. It doesn't matter what what, what sport it is, whether it's soccer, whether it's rugby, whether it's cricket, it's tennis. It's got you go to any of these major sporting events and you talk to these sportsmen. They're all egotists, and they are because they're put in situations with which none of us ever go through. You know, none of us are ever going to know what it's like to to hold a putt to win a golf tournament or to to score a goal in a World Cup. But also, none of us are going to, not going to know what it's like to be cheered from the rafters by hundreds of thousands of people. To to whenever you get in the car, people coming up for autographs. You live in a completely alternate reality. And I spent much of the last ten years dealing with sportsmen and women you know at pretty much every major sporting event that you can think of but on a day-to-day basis certainly I was dealing with professional Premier League footballers and these are Premier League footballers who get paid 150,000 200,000 pounds per week which is probably 275 300,000 dollars per week per week they live in a completely alternate reality to what you and I live in in that I know football players soccer players who do not know what it takes to make a cup of coffee they have no concept of how you make a cup of tea how you do bog standard household chores because it's not something they've ever done and because of that whole bubble that they live in they are by very nature egotistical you have to be an alpha male to be an nfl head coach you can't survive in that environment of 53 men plus all the other coaches and not be an alpha male otherwise these guys who are running into each other at full speed you know, lifting weights in the gym and all that kind of alpha maledom that they have, you have to rise above that and be the biggest alpha in the room. So, yes, he has an ego. I just think it was time. And uh, in terms of Greer, yeah, I think he's done a decent job. I don't think he's done an amazing job. I felt like, you know, I felt like if Ross was really going to do this properly, he, was, he should have just wiped everybody out. 
but why wouldn't you wipe everybody out? I, it feels like you've gone 75% of the way or 65. If you're so concerned about the fact that year after year after year's failures, wipe everything out. Why did you reassign Tanner Mam? Just get him out of the building. You know, if you were unhappy with everything, then get rid of Greer as well. Uh, for me, I think if you're going to reboot properly, then you reboot properly. You don't half-arse it. And it feels a little bit like Steve Ross has half-arsed it, a little bit like he's just a bit too nice and a bit too kind. I was talking to to one of the, the Florida media people whose name I won't mention, but um, he was saying that Steve Ross is very much like a, a, a sort of a nerd, but a very nice nerd. He doesn't want to upset set anybody he doesn't want to be seen to be you know, he's very successful in business but he's, he's done that not by being cutthroat but by getting people around him who you know long time people who worked with him for 15 20 25 years and he he would find it very difficult to let these guys go and i think it's the same he's very loyal and but i just think that sometimes that loyalty gets in the way. we saw that with tony sperano way back in the day it just feels like that loyalty got in the way of what could have been a massive reboot and i think there was a big opportunity for the dolphins um and i'm not entirely sure that steve ross has grasped it I thought so. I said this a lot on Twitter, and you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. I I don't really know, but I I sensed a real, very real demeanor change in Adam Gase um, over the last month, probably. And Craig Mish, who's associated with the Five Re- Reasons Network, said that there was an incident after the Indianapolis loss where Adam Gase sort of blew off Steve Ross. This wasn't the only person, by the way, that I heard about an incident with Steve Ross after the Indianapolis game. Um, I've just heard it put in different ways. You know, one person was like, did they get into a massive argument with each other? Another person was, you know. So uh, Craig Mish is saying had more color on it, more detail, and he was saying that, you know, basically Steve Ross went to go talk to him and Adam Gase just kind of yelled and said, not now, and, and you know, left. And, um, and I don't know if that contributed. I don't know if there was sort of a frost after that between the two men, and that might have contributed to Adam Gase thinking that this is over. And, um, and once he started thinking that this is over, you know, he, he, he changed tact and started making excuses for himself and started feeling so- sorry for himself and, and saying things in the press that no player, no veteran player would, would think is okay to make these kinds of excuses for yourself. Um, and, and I know that, those, that that lack of accountability really turned off current players as well as former players and you know and and just everybody basically um so i there was a there was a real change though and i think ultimately his downfall is his it was his inability to handle it it was in it was his inability to handle the job to handle the adversity he cracked he either cracked or he decided that he doesn't want this job anymore and we know, actually, we've talked about this. You guys, the, the three of us have talked about this, the 2017 season. And we know how much strain he was under because we've heard about it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how much and how miserable, Simon, I think your words, how miserable he was Ooh. in the 2017 season to, to the point where we're almost like wondering, you know, if he goes through that again, is he just going to quit? You know, and, and, and so I think that ultimately he could not handle the adversity of you know bad things happening uh that were beyond his control some things beyond his control some things in his control and just happening poor and badly um and and i, I he couldn't handle it he he cracked he either cracked or he decided that he was 
going to go somewhere else that he had plenty of opportunities and he kind of just sabotaged himself from there because what he said to the press over those last three weeks or month or, or whatever was just plain unacceptable. No coach would have ever, you know, think of the guys that, that are still here like Cameron Wake that have played under Bill Parcells regimes and they're hearing those things and, and they're like, whoa, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. And th that's why I kind of like, you know, alluded to on Twitter, I said, that there's, there are a lot of players out there that were like, you know what, you know, this is ending. This is, this, this is probably, it's probably just best for this, for this to end. And, um, and I, you, I, I certainly got the sense from that after the Bills game when various beat writers and reporters were going to these players and asking them, you know, giving them an, just giving them an opportunity to make the same full-throated cry for their head coach that, for example, Devontae Adams did for Joe Philbin, <laughs> of all people, oh, yeah. up in Green Bay. Devontae Adams is like, I sure hope they give Joe Philbin the, uh, the, the, a crack at the job and, and that he's here next year. Uh, they gave guys like Cameron Wake and other veterans the, just the chance to say that. And all of them hemmed and hawed, begged off it, and were like, yeah, well, it's not our decision. You know, um, you know and, and it's not really – I mean, that was saying something, I think. By saying nothing, you were saying something. Yeah. And, and so I think that, I think that it, the time was coming to a close. And it, I was sort of realizing this as we were heading in. Simon, we were talking heading into the Bills game. And I was sort of realizing this heading in. I was like, you know what? And I tweeted about it. I was like, yeah, actually put a gun to my head. I think he's gone. And this was before the Bills game. And, um, and it, I, I think, you know, that's when you really put it all together. And as for as Simon mentioned, you know, the half-ass thing with Chris Greer and Mike Tannenbaum, uh, you know, Chris Greer being elevated, Mike Tannenbaum given, being given a window office somewhere. You know, I think that I don't, I don't really see it as half-ass so much. I think that whatever Steve Ross's best laid plans were, with respect to, uh, you know, John Harbaugh or maybe Jim Harbaugh, I don't know. I think they had already fallen through. And so at that point, he just went ahead and elevated Chris Greer and streamlined everything because I think he wants more direct access with the football decision maker and not have this sort of cloud of, you know, who said what, who backed who, who wanted this guy, who wanted this guy gone. You know, it, it, it might have been a little bit confusing there. And I know, we know that this, that this happened in the last draft. You know, Steve Ross sort of, you know, made the case. Like, hey, why don't we trade down, get extra picks, uh, get Lamar Jackson, and, you know, kind of build that way. And he was essentially, you know, rejected by – by the three decision makers. And I think that it feels one way when it's three decision makers and three big football egos all arguing the same thing. And even though you're the owner, you know, you could just say, you know, smack them all down and say, God damn it, it's my way or the highway. You could do that. But I don't think that's in Steve Ross's personality. And so, uh, you know, he streamlined this to just Chris Greer. And now maybe he's going to feel a little bit more com uh, comfortable huddling with Chris Greer and saying, you know, hey, Chris, I mean, why don't we trade? I mean, we're in a rebuild mode. We're admitting this. Why don't we trade down and get more and get more picks? And, and maybe he can even exert a little bit more pressure on Greer um, by himself than he could, you know, sort of a triumvirate of, of uh, Greer and Gase and, um, and, and Tannenbaum. 
Well, here's the thing. If the, is, is Steven Ross, does he want to own the team? Does he want to coach the team? Does he want to be the GM? Or does he want to be regional scout? Because he put these people in place. These people are telling you Lamar Jackson can't play. I don't care if he can now or he can or if he's going to develop into a really good quarterback. You know, forget it. We're, we're back in April, okay? Back in April, these people that you put in charge, that you trusted, that you said, first of all, Adam Gase was your – you felt he was your Don Shula. Never mind that you said that Ryan Tannehill could be the next damn Marino because you also said that too, Mr. Ross. You put these people in charge. They're telling you, we don't like this guy. And you're mm. going to force them upon them? And then, but as much what, as Simon, what if they suck? You fire them, and then you blame them for them. As much as Simon says that these these players live in a different world, though, guys like Steve Ross live in a different world too, right? I mean, they 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 live in a completely different bubble from us. And I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying. But from Steve Ross's standpoint, he's like, I own this team. You know why? Why don't you listen to me? Um, so I I think that. I think he's coming from a, from, at it from a different perspective. But also with the Lamar Jackson thing, I think people honestly make too big of a deal out of the Lamar Jackson thing um, because I think primarily what Steve Ross's gripe was out of that draft was he wanted to trade down. He didn't think they had a very good roster. I mean, he, he communicated that directly to the press. We had a podcast about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't think they had a very good roster – and he had he saw trade down opportunities out there, and we know I, we're pretty sure, and we know that the uh, New Orleans Saints were one of them. Um, and he was like, "Why don't you do that? Why don't you acquire more picks? Do like the Patriots do, and and stuff like that." And he was told, you know, he what were the what was the thing that he texted Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald immediately after the, the draft? Yeah, Vontae back. Vontae back, no matter what. Yeah, you now know, and ask- he was. He was pouting. <laughs> he was now, let me ask you this. Do you think, yeah, and we had, that, by the way, that was one of our best podcasts ever. First of all, <laughs> Stephen Ross made like 800 appearances. In my opinion, it was one too many, but they were really good, really good appearances. Do you think that Stephen <laughs> Ross, he's a, he's a real estate developer. Do you think that he argues with his engineers and architects about materials and wing loads? Because I, I, if he honestly, does, I don't, don't, don't want to go into any single one of his buildings. I don't know that business whatsoever, so I can't say. But, I mean, I know that he's in the same business as our president, and I could totally imagine our president doing that. Well, then <laughs> so, remind me never to step in, in any of those buildings ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say that this portrait that's being painted of, a, of the owner of the Miami Dolphins is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> because it just strikes me as somebody's just going to step in and just make decisions over, over Chris Greer's head. I hope mm-hmm. that's not the case. I hope that Chris Greer has been elevated because he is trusted and he's going to be allowed to build the team as he sees fit and that he is allowed to fail and fail on his own. Mm-hmm. Not because you had your finger on the scale, you blew it and then you blame somebody else because you're not going to fire yourself. Stephen Ross is not going to fire himself. Can I just but I mean, Bob Kraft has a lot or thinks that he has a lot of say over what happens with the Patriots too. I mean, even though it's Bill Belichick and, you know, and you wouldn't think that, but he, you know, he certainly does. He certainly thinks he does. Um, so these guys, man, I'm telling you, they're living a different world. I, I thought it was fascinating when she, um, when he said, um, when he said, when he was asked at the end, and we've talked about this on the WhatsApp, but when he was asked at the end of the, um, the, the press conference, what, why he made the decision to get rid of Adam. And he just, he just said, Adam wanted to win now. 
I just thought it was such a weird thing to say. And maybe he was, to, you know, spoke out of context or whatever, or spoke out of, I, I just, it just felt like, do, do, do we not want to win now? Uh, I, I don't know. He just, he's such he's, a... Nah, I want to win in I just don't understand. I just don't think he understands what it takes to... I, to, I, to I have some thoughts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just don't quite I have, think he gets it. I just... I, I, I have some thoughts on what he meant. Rip up the, you know not wanting to get rid of the status quo. It just feels like we're going, you know, how, how much can you really reassign Mike, Mike Tannenbaum until he's, I mean, what is he now? Is he in charge of janitorial services or, you know, <laughs> is he mowing the lawn at the stadium or yeah. what's he doing? He has, he has I mean, a lot more time to throw, play a uh, throw and catch with his yeah, own this exactly. time. Is, is he in charge of cake? You do. Is he in charge of, does he put out the condiments in the, in the dining hall? <laughs> What does he do? Because he gets, uh, seriously, he gets the, catering, the Mexican catering food yeah. that yeah. Jeff Ireland uh, have the runs. But seriously, he's the you know he's he's a football man. He's always been a football man. Yeah. What 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 are you going to reassign him to do? I, I, I just don't understand so that. So weird. That's weird. I agree. Just well, just I'm, get rid of him. I do have some thoughts on what Steve Ross meant though, and what I what he didn't want to say. And this is sort of like, you know, you have to edit yourself because you know that there, there are certain things that you're going to, you know, that, that get you in trouble. I think Steve Ross was essentially saying, we're going to go through a destructive rebuild. And so we're going, essentially, he didn't want to say what he, what he meant and didn't want to say is we're going to suck next year. And, you know, he said something like, I hope it's not three and 13, but but he's, go- he's saying we're going to suck next year because he's tired of going into every offseason uh, saying, okay, we're going to fill these holes in free agency. We're going to draft as well as we can. Um, and, and we're going to head into this year trying to, trying to win and, and do a good job. He feels like they've been doing that every single year since he's taken over the team. And that's why he made the comment. He's like, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. He wants to go through a, you know, basically a, a period of creative destruction of what we would call in, you know, economics and business. And I, I think that, you know, I think he's saying we're going to suck and that Adam Gase is certainly not on board with that. And, um, and, and that's what, that's what it is. I think so that's our owners is a complete lunatic is what you're saying. Well, yeah. I mean, he's going to, he's going to uh, buckle up, buckle up for next season. I don't think I don't well, have, I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what, right now. Is, <laughs> if this, team, if this like, team with the, with the talent that it has right now on the roster manages to go three and 13, 13 somehow, then I want mm. Chris Greer fired. Okay. <laughs> because he's responsible for the shell of this team. And it's a shell that I kind of like. Like, is Laramie Tunsil a pile of crap? Is Xavier Howard crappy? Is Rashad Jones bad? No, is absolutely not. Minka Fitzpatrick bad? Is Jerome Baker bad? Raquan McMillan? Vincent Taylor? You know, uh, Kenyon Drake? Colin Balaj? Jawan James? Like, there's enough here. Trust me when I tell you. This is the reason you fired Adam Gase. Because you thought he had enough to mm-hmm. win enough. And he there's won a good, so little. There's a good foundation. But the thing that connects everybody... Everybody who's ever coached and won is the quarterback position, and yeah. you cannot do we've it. We've established that hours, hours, hours. Yeah, I mean, garbage. You cannot do no. it if you don't have one. If you don't have one, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, and people always talk about the legacy of Belichick and Brady. If Belichick didn't have Brady, 
Belichick wouldn't be Belichick now. Also, Brady's no, but you know, I think the quarterback is the most important thing. And you look at teams that you look at the Seattle Seahawks. Do the Seattle Seahawks on paper have as much talent as we do across the roster? Yes, they have a couple of you know fantastic mm-hmm. players in 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 Bobby Wagner who'll be a Hall of Fame linebacker, yeah, KJ right. Wright who's really really good. You know, Doug Baldwin's a really nice player. But then go and pick go and pick some other superstars out of that team or some other you know is there anybody in that offensive line better than Laramie Tunsil no is there anybody in that offensive line better than Juwan James maybe one maybe two but not you know not all five Mm. is there anybody you know is there anybody in that secondary Earl Thomas obviously out is there anybody in that secondary better than Howard no Mm. anybody better than Jones no is there anybody better than Minka Fitzpatrick I'm not even sure there is Shaquille Griffin (laughs) might be yeah. You know, Chris Chris Carson is a good running back, but mm-hmm. you know the amount of carries that Chris Carson has had. If you gave Kenyon Drake the same amount of carries, would Drake have the same amount? Probably. Yet the difference is they have probably the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFL in Russell Wilson, and they're mm-hmm. a team that going into Dallas on Sunday night uh, on Saturday night, the Cowboys are not going to want to play. If there's one team in the NFC you do not want to play at the moment, it's the Seahawks. Much as in the AFC, you don't want to play the Ravens, mm-hmm. and the reason is. They've got a quarterback. And you look at all the different teams in the playoffs, every single team has got their franchise quarterback. We don't have that. And if Chris Greer finds that guy, or whoever it is that finds that guy, then all those other pieces that we have click together. And whoever the coach happens to be. Exactly. Because somebody out there, a coach out, but it's true, somebody, and they don't have to be, you know, coach that gets the gig. And, th- and then gets the quarterback. He doesn't have to be Bill Belichick. He doesn't have to be Paul Brown. He doesn't have to be Nick Saban. He mm-hmm. can just be average Joe. But if you've got the quarterback, absolutely. And that's the thing. There is somebody out there who is going to be a hero for many years in, th- I was going to say in this city, but in Miami, mm-hmm. because they will be the person that turns it around. But it won't be because they specifically have turned it around. It will be because we have found the magic bullet which is our Russell Wilson or our Aaron Rodgers or our Tom Brady. And when we find that, then, and only then, can we really be the team that Steve Ross believes we are going to be. And I don't think that quarterback is there this year. So it may no. be that it's next year. Mm. Preaching to the choir. I've been, that's why everybody keeps asking me about the GM situation. They play, you know, Chris Greer. I don't care that Chris Greer got elevated personally. I mean, I, I don't. I don't see it as like half-ass. I think he's a pretty good evaluator. I think yeah. you know, you're preaching the choir about the quarterback. It's all about that. And and so you know, I don't talk to me about whether we're going to hire George Patton or you know somebody like we can that. hire General Patton. And if yeah, we find the quarterback, exactly. we'd be a great team. If find the quarterback, then it doesn't matter. Exactly. All right, Simon. Tell our listeners about Bet DSI. Yeah, the NFL season is pretty much finished. There's one game left in the NCAA season. Can't wait for next Monday night, Clemson against Alabama. But it's time to take your pixie knowledge and your sporting knowledge to the bank with our good friends and our partners at betdsi.com. 20 years online, impeccable reputation, great service, excellent mobile interface so you can bet as you travel around. They have, as I say, excellent mobile interface. Play, win, and get paid anytime anywhere and to help you get started if you haven't already joined to help you do so they're offering double your money on your first deposit so deposit now start winning and get to two and a half thousand dollars free that's double your money from the start so when it comes to football bet dsi have every wager you could ever want and if it's happening in sports they'll put a line on it pick a sport they'll do it for you 
reality shows even i was told in this bit of bump that i'm reading from now reality who bets on reality shows i mean alf do you bet on reality shows <laughs> you're about the only person on the planet i know that would bet on a reality show anyway you can also bet on games whilst they're playing with bet the SI's live betting if your team isn't doing well watch before you play so you the promo use the promo code yards 101 that's yards 101 get in the action and get paid. Don't stand on the sidelines, be in it to win it, and enjoy the games that much more with our friends at BetDSI.com. So, enough from BetDSI. Coming up, we're going to look at the six names of coaches that the Dolphins have so far lined up to interview. They are special teams coach Darren Rizzi, offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, Eric Bionemi. They are Mike Munchak, offensive line coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I need to think of the names. Chris Richard, the de facto defensive coordinator, passing coordinator, DB's coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And who else is it? Brian Flores. Oh, yeah. Brian Flores, the man and who... The man who pushed uh, Malcolm Butler out on the play before the interception in the Super Bowl, but also pushed Rob Gronkowski out for the Miami Miracle. <laughs> Brian Flores, the, def- the defensive coordinator by name only, really, because uh, Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator, really, at the Patriots. And Vic Fangio, the... Uh, pretty legendary defensive coordinator uh, currently of the Chicago Bears. They are the six men so far. There may be other names. Nobody from the college ranks, which is a bit of a surprise, but we shall see. And after the break, we should dip in and try and find out which one of these guys, us three guys, think should be running the Dolphins next season. Wait, here's the break. On the 5 Reasons Podcast, we've got you covered on everything Miami sports. We've got a podcast out every Monday on the Dolphins and the football weekend. We've got original reporting on the big sports stories you care about, like trade talks involving Jimmy Butler and JT Real Muto, and great guests on both current events and a little Miami sports nostalgia. On a recent episode, we were joined by former Heat guard Tim Hardaway. Pat Rowley didn't want me to talk trash. We had to sit down and say, you know, he said, you know, I don't want you to be out there talking I want you to be, you know, concentrate on what we need to do and helping us win. So I was like, all right, fine. I I won't talk because, you know, I like like to talk. So I said, well, let me do it in practice. He said, okay, you can do it in practice, but not in game. I said, all right, fine. We've got you covered on the Five Reasons Sports Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah, Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth, we know Lizzo with his clothes off. <laughs> so make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Welcome back to Three Arts with Carrie. Simon Clancy here uh, in England with Chris Kaufman in Tampa and our Freddie Matiaga in Miami. So... Six names to run down, Chris. Give us those six again. I clusterfucked my way through them <laughs> to the break. Give us a quick rundown. Let people know who they are, who we're looking at, and why we should get excited or not about. Sure. The first one is obviously Darren Rizzi, who's been the special teams coach of the Miami Dolphins ever since uh, John Bonamago got uh, canned um, under uh, Tony Sperano. 
And, um, and obviously a lot of people really like uh, how the special teams unit has performed. Uh, and if I had to say something really positive about him, it would just be that a lot of current players and former players are, are really stumping for him right now. So um, it's interesting. And I think that uh, I think, I think he's a very serious candidate from, from everything that I've heard. Um, the probably my top candidate from the outside would be Vic Fangio of the Chicago bears, defensive coordinator came into the league in like 1986 or something like that as a, as a defensive guy, he's been running some legendary defenses uh, throughout um, the NFL uh, as well as in college. He had a brief stint with Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. And even though he didn't really know the game, the college game that well, he got into it and kind of developed a top-level defense in the college game and then came back to the NFL and developed a top-level defense in the NFL in San Francisco. And now he's got a top-level defense in Chicago. He used to coach in um, in Carolina. He had a top-notch defense in Carolina at one point as well. as uh, And so he's just – I mean, this guy this guy's an old head and he's been around. And a lot of players respect the hell out of him. So, um, and then you've got uh, some out- other outside guys like Eric Bieniemy. Simon, you love him. Um, this is a guy from Kansas City. is a running backs coach uh, by trade. That's what he was. Uh, that's what he came up as. Coach guys like Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles. Um, Kareem Hunt certainly and in the wake of some of these offensive coordinators getting taken out of uh, Kansas City under Andy Reid and being made head coaches uh, around the league that you see um, he became the offensive coordinator this year of the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, even though he doesn't call plays he is a hot name he's got like six interviews or six interview requests he's um, he's ridiculously popular right now uh brian flores the defensive he's not even really named the defensive coordinator of the new england patriots i believe or at least not initially he wasn't uh it was kind of a weird thing where you know yeah he's the de facto defensive coordinator but he wasn't initially named that and bill belichick just had nobody named that but we we all think that bill belichick has his hands all over that defense either way uh brian flores has been in every aspect of that or every facet of that organization from scouting to um, to offensive coaching and defensive coaching. He's kind of worked his way uh, around the building and been there since 2004. So 15 years. And one would hope that he has sort of the blueprint of how a winning organization should be built from the bottom up that, you know, that's what you hope anyway. And then you've got Mike Munchak, offensive line coach of the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, had been a head coach before. Interestingly enough, I believe he was fired because he refused to fire offensive coordinator Dow Loggins, uh, who is currently on the Miami Dolphins. He's, uh, like I said, he's the offensive line coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, obviously a successful unit. Uh, Mike Munchak is 58 years old, which puts him right up there with Vic Fangio as far as unusually old. in fact if either one of those guys were to be hired by the Dolphins right now I believe they would be the oldest hire in the NFL at at the moment like they would if you go back and look at how old everybody was when they were hired uh, across the 32 teams I believe he would be the Mike Munchak would be the oldest and Vic Fangio certainly would be the oldest and and then you've got uh, uh who am I? Oh, Chris Richard, and I think Alf, you can speak more to him. Um, and that's the de facto defensive coordinator. I, I made this mistake earlier. I thought that he did not call 
as many plays in uh, in Dallas, but it turns out he does call the plays in Dallas, so he's kind of the de facto defensive coordinator. Got fired really mysteriously by the Seattle Seahawks as their defensive coordinator. Really the only defensive coordinator Pete Carroll has ever fired, and nobody knows why, even though he'd been with Pete Carroll since like 2008 in the USC days uh, and, and had led or had been the defensive coordinator for really successful three years worth of successful Seattle Seahawks defensive units. Uh, Richard Sherman is obviously a big fan. Did I forget anybody, Simon? No, I think we're good. I mean, we haven't um, we haven't approached Dan Campbell, who I'm semi surprised at because he seems to have had he seems to be getting sort of four or five uh, interviews, uh, which I thought was surprising. Now as the Saints tight ends coach, I saw a very good tweet earlier on, which was Dan Campbell is just Joe Philbin drinking Monster Energy. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which is Who a pretty decent. I, they deserve somebody her. called, yeah, somebody called at Dutch Beak. Um, okay. I don't yeah. know if you listen, but if you do, kudos because I love that. That was very funny. He's a great. Oh no, he must be. He's a creator host of the Sun Beak podcast and contributes to five reasons sports. Yeah, so, he's yeah, one yeah. of our guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations, to be fair, Mr. We Dutch Beak. Four hundred people on staff. That's true. That's, That's very true. funny. <laughs> Yeah, I said I hear Adam Gase is available doing a couple of interviews. Maybe we ought to give him a call. He has an interview with the Jets tomorrow, which I find fascinating. Imagine if he gets the Jets job. Oh my God! Can you <laughs> right? imagine? Well, he was and he won all... against them, so he knows that roster pretty good. As noted by Jeff Darlington uh, earlier on Twitter today, Adam Gase holds a grudge like nobody he's ever seen too. So <laughs> that would be interesting. Now yeah. this whole search is is gonna be interesting because we're gonna we're gonna speculate a little bit on every single one of them except Mike Munchak because as you said <laughs> nobody cares right now watch nobody him get tired but I most think... famous for getting for for losing your job because you wouldn't fire Dowell Loggins yes <laughs> how good can you be With, yeah exactly right like like that's a huge red flag right away like I said earlier on Twitter. And I really do mean this. Like one of the first questions I would ask anybody who we bring in here is, what do you want to do about the, the special teams coach? And if he says to fire Darren Rizzi, right there I know I don't have my <laughs> Okay. Now, this search could really end like in the next two minutes if Vic Fangio just said yes. If you want competence and you want a little bit of gravitas, I would mm -hmm. say, and I don't know if that's what we're looking for. If we're just looking for competence and gravitas, or we're trying to hit a home run with the next Don Shula, as yeah. Stephen Ross aptly named Adam Gase. But if that's what we're looking for, if we just want to be safe, and we're sick of all of all of this, this hope trafficking and all of this waiting and hoping and wishing and yeah, like he kind of has that look. No, forget it, no, all of that stuff. You just want competence. You want a guy who's just nine to five. He's going to get in there. He's going to do the job and we're going to win. Vic Fangio, four years in San Francisco, four top five defenses. He had three of them in the top three, two of them in the top two. Okay. Oddly enough, he did not have a number one defense in San Francisco because I do know he was on staff of a number one defense with the Ravens. So mm. I, I was trying to say that he was going to be on, on staff for three number one defenses, but no, that's not the case. Mm. Now here, but with the Chicago, greatest respect in the world, that's just opinion, isn't it? It's just opinion what, uh, that that if we want gravitas and all that, we don't know that. We don't know oh, that there's more yeah. gravitas. I mean, we don't know there's more gravitas with Vic Fangio than it would be with Mike Munchak. At the end of the day, we don't sure. know these people. Right. I mean, that that's your opinion and a well respected opinion, but I don't necessarily think that that's 
you know. Well, I think his resume. I think his resume. Lends yeah, but I don't think his resume. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but everybody's resume lends some gravity, and even Mike Munchak's resume lends some gravitas. Mm. He's Mike Munchak. Yeah, know, but I think, first, I think what Alpha's saying uh, is that he's an old head, and and that's what and that's what I think players are respond to in the way, in that way that he's an old. His players on the Chicago Bears call him the Godfather. Yeah, I mean, no, they, I def, don't get so, me wrong. I think he's. I, I'd be very happy with him. As like, I just, I just think it. I just think it's a little bit. I just don't think we can just say, "Oh yeah, he's the guy, and everybody else isn't," because he's Vic Fangio. That that was more my point. Well, he's the most experienced, and For he's sure. the most, sure. I think, qualified. You, let me say this in an experienced way. Let, you know? let me say this. Can you picture any of our defensive players getting in Vic Fangio's face and arguing over a particular coverage? No, but you can oh. pick. Would they get in Wink Martindale's face? Would they get in? Would they get in Brian Flores's face? Pretty sure they wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know. I think would they get in Chris Richard's face? <laughs> I don't think you know. Chris I mean, it's Rashad, all, it's Chris all Rashad offered players that. Yeah, absolutely. Chris Rashad offered to fight opposing players earlier this season. <laughs> you know, in pre-game warm-ups, you're not going to get in Chris Rashad's face. No. You know. Plus, no. Fangio's an old man. You're not going to get in his. You know, what are you going to do, Granddad? <laughs> no, but I think I think but Fangio a big facetious. Fit, I fits an archetype, basically. Yeah, he fits for, for sure, for sure. Of of like you know an old head coach. He's the Mike Zimmer kind he's, of. He's active. He's not like you know he's not like old and just kind of laid back. I mean he's he's one of those guys that you know will will talk to you. I mean he's he, he fits he fits a certain mold that people react to in a certain way. I think. Definitely. And, and whereas whereas Chris Richard and um and also Brian Flores fit a different mold and they're more of the of an age with the players really um they're more a bit chummy with the players i think um i i really like Brian Flores's personality i think he's got a great great personality a lot of people really like Chris Richard's personality as well and and well, to your Chris point, Richard I, runs out with the DBs pregame shirtless yeah. to warm up with them yeah absolutely In full I, football I think gear. With both the, of them be, come up with the pads and the gloves and the helmet, the work. Both of them be players' coaches. Although I, you know, Richard and Flores both get in their players' faces and yell at them. That's their style. Yeah. Um, I know that Flores is that's his that's his style as well. I don't know that if that's Eric Bieniemy's style really, but um, and I I'm pretty sure it is Mike Munchak's style as well. Um, What's that so shouting? Yeah, the sort of the yeah. shouting kind Bionny of guy. Apparently, is a big shouter. Apparently oh, is he really? Very loud voice that kind of pierces through the entire, okay. um, the, the entire practice field. He apparently is a "do not fuck with me" kind of guy, but massively well respected. Then, then that's then we're then we're looking at you know what the what the sort of the common factor is with all yeah, this. absolutely. Because yeah. look about Darren Rizzi. Yeah. <laughs> Now so, let me ask, uh, let me ask you this before we get into Eric Bieniemy because I think he's kind of interesting because I really do believe in this. It might be complete bullshit, but I really do believe in pedigree, and that coaching tree, that Andy Reid coaching tree, it really has borne fruit, and that Bill has. Belichick coaching tree has borne feces if you think about it. <laughs> okay, I, I I take issue with that sometimes. All right, I well do. you could take issue as soon as I ask this question, but let me ask this. Okay. And I asked it earlier in WhatsApp and both of you had interesting answers, but our listeners are not in our WhatsApp chat. I'll start with you, Simon. Give me the reason why Darren Rizzi shouldn't be hired as the next head coach. Uh, we had this conversation earlier on and I said it's because he's boring. And then I could <laughs> offer no substantial evidence either way as to whether or not he really was boring. I, I just, 
I mean, I saw loads of. I saw, there was a really nice Joe Shad piece tonight where Joe was had interviewed a number of the players and you know TJ McDonald and Kenyon Drake and people like that and saying you know Riz would be great and he's got a great personality and he holds people accountable and this sort of thing and you know that's great and oh, I just think it's a bit boring. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want a special teams coach as my head coach and it's fine to go. Oh, you know John Harbour. Well, John Harbour's a bit of an outlier. Tell me that any other head coaches in the NFL who were special teams coaches. Nope, you can't because there aren't any. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I tried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just not sexy enough for me. I'm, I'm sorry. I like, yeah. you know, I like Scarlett Johansson and Penelope Cruz. I don't like um, Mrs. Doubtfire. He'd <laughs> uh, be a Mrs. Doubtfire hire when I'm really after, Mrs. you know, Salma Hayek. Sorry. And, and if you're listening, Darren, I think you're a brilliant special teams coach. I just don't want you. I mean, you went five and six as New Haven head coach for three years. I mean, was it New Haven or Rhode Island? You did both actually, but New Haven oh, nine, two, 99 to 2001, three oh, okay. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris, your turn to dump all over Darren. <laughs> uh, if, if, so to your question, you know, dumping all over Darren Rizzi, I would say, who's he learned under? I mean, he's, he's essentially learned under Miami failures. Um, he's been, cause that's his, his pro career has been under, you know, guys like Tony Sperano who were fired, you know, and we all, we love Tony may rest in peace, but he was fired. Joe Philbin, who was a disaster here, Adam Gase, who ended up not being able to cut it. Um, you know, who's, who's Darren Rizzi really learned off of to, to know how to build this. I mean, he may have his own ideas and a lot of people have brought up the point, you know, maybe he's just learned what not to do by, by these guys. Um, but I don't think that's as valid as learning what to do. Uh, Cause there's a lot, you know, it's easier, it's easier to pick out things, what not to do than it is to know what to do and, and build a winning to program that way. But I'm going to play devil's advocate with Darren Rizzi and, and say why you have to consider him. Because I think that in terms of putting together a staff, this is a huge pet peeve of mine. Whenever everybody asks, you know, oh yeah, but who's this guy going to bring on as his, you know, how's he going to fill out his staff? Who's he going to fill out his staff with? When you ask him who his coordinator is going to be in the interview, you know, who are they going to be? And I hate that question because I hate the premise of it. The premise of the question. Literally the first question I asked when you put this question earlier. Literally, literally. And (laughs) And I'm not even joking. And I almost just like went off on a rant right there. No, I did go off on a rant. Um, But I mean, I hate the premise of the question because the premise of the question just accepts that these guys, you know, come in and hire all their friends and hire all these people that they've coached with before, instead of actually looking for the most qualified and the best, the best heads to put together on the staff and, and get a bunch of different ideas together and bring them all into one and, and make a team out of it. They, you know, they're all, everybody's all about just hiring their Facebook friends. And I, I, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't think that in business it works that way. I think, or, or it often doesn't work that way. You go through, you know, headhunters and, and you go through searches and you put together resumes and you conduct interviews and you try and hire the best people that you can get. And um, and Sean, and the reason to bring this back to Darren Rizzi, why I, and this is interesting to me is because people look at him and they're like, well, yeah, who's how is he going to fill out the staff? Well, it's not such a bad thing if he says, well, we're going to conduct searches and hire the best people and bring all the all these ideas together. And him being a special teams coach, 
you know, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna hire a really qualified offensive coordinator and a really qualified defensive coordinator. He's gonna search for those things. That doesn't bother me. I like that going. John Harbaugh has been doing that for years in Baltimore. I mean, he gets he gets uh, former head coaches in as his guys on offense and and on defense all the time. And I think that it helps when you're a special teams coach because let's say you're an offensive guy and you go somewhere and everybody knows the offense is really yours. Who are you going to attract on the offense now? Because they know that if they go to your team and they coach under you and you have success, then everybody just attributes to the, you know, to the head coach who's the offensive guy. Um, So if you're a special teams guy and you have to go out and hire, you know, specialists on offense and on defense those guys coming in might find the job attractive because they're going to get credit if their unit does well you know the special teams coach who is the head coach right now isn't going to get the credit you know it's it's going to be if you're an offensive guy if you're an offensive coordinator say you're a former head coach uh, that is an overqualified offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator you're like hey i'm going to go coach for that guy because and when that when i turn that unit around and they succeed Everybody's going to know it was me, you know, and, and that's, that, that would be the case that I'd make for Darren Rizzi. Well, let me say one thing about Chris Richard. I know somebody who's kind of connected to the Dallas Cowboys and he wondered aloud to me and, and it wasn't, you know, recently when, you know, he started popping up on all these interviews, he wondered aloud to me during the, when they beat the New Orleans Saints. Okay. So this is the, at the height of their success for this season. And he was wondering aloud to me if it was going to be a good idea to fire Jason Garrett so they could elevate Chris Richard to the head coaching spot so they don't lose him. So this is the guy that's made a lot of friends in Dallas. Mm. Now, you were I also friends wondering. Seattle as well. Yeah. So you all, but what I found interesting was Carroll. Chris. Yeah. No, Pete Carroll. <laughs> Pete Carroll fired him. Now, why? Do you have any idea? Do you? Have you done no, any investigative, <laughs> investigative reporting on this? Because Nobody I find does. it Nobody odd. Does. I find Nobody. it odd how he escaped Seattle. The only defensive coordinator that, uh, that Pete Carroll has, has ever fired is so I hear. Um, and nobody knows. The players don't seem I, to know. I'll tell you what, I'm going to find out. And do you know why I'm going to find out? Because I've just realized, actually, I'm owed a favor by a former Seattle defensive end who won a Super Bowl whose name totally escapes me. <laughs> So I appear, So a couple of years ago when I was at the uh, U.S. Open Golf at Chambers Bay in Seattle, our broadcast booth was next to a Seattle radio station, and I appeared on there a few times and even announced the Mariners' uh, starting lineup for some game that they had that evening, which they thought was hilarious. They got some English guy coming and announce all the players. Like I had to say, like Mark Trombo and people like that. It was hilarious. And, um, so, uh, and I did like three or four... And then they found out that I was a massive NFL fan, so I just did loads of chat about the Seahawks. Anyway, when the Seahawks played in London a few weeks ago, they phoned me up and asked me if I'd do uh, a stint on the show. And I did like half an hour with a guy called Jason Puckett. And Jason Puckett, his co-presenter now, is former Seahawks defensive end who won the Super Bowl. Um, Talk amongst yourselves and I'll find his name. But he (laughs) said, if you want me at any point, I can be available to do you a favor so i'm going to message him and ask him what happened with chris richard hmm. and when that'd, i find out his uh email and when i find out who he is that'd be great uh, hopefully hopefully the, the head coaching search doesn't like end before you can find out that answer um <laughs> yeah 
I mean, you know, they moved lightning fast. That's something, a point that I wanted to bring up is like these names came out like within 24 hours or something like that. And you can't think to me, like they didn't just start putting together those names, you know, like, like they had an idea. Yeah. They already, they didn't just start doing this after they fired Gase. All right. Now, while, <laughs> somebody, while Simon, somebody had begun working on that. While Simon is scouring the internet and his, and his phone for this guy's name so he could talk to him and try to find out what was the reason that Chris Richard didn't stick in Seattle. The Harbaugh brothers. Is that dead? Is that the Harbaugh's in your, in your opinion? The Harbaugh's are dead. I think, I think they're dead. I mean, Simon, you may disagree, but I think they're dead. Yeah, I don't I think Chris Greer, I don't think Chris Greer would have been elevated to the position that he's been elevated to as head of football operations, final say on basically everything, nearly unlimited power in the, in, in the football organization if uh, if they're going to turn around and try and get John Harbaugh to agree to come here, this is what John Harbaugh doesn't like about the Baltimore job. This is the the source of the friction mm. in Baltimore is that the the GM, you know, Ozzie Newsom and the front office there have a tradition of you know sort of stay in your lane as the head coach, and um and and so he's going to come to Miami where they've already just given that final say authority. And everything to to Chris Greer, I just don't see it. I think he's going to tell Miami, you know, hey, I've got, you know, all due respect, I've got better options here. So, um, and, and I, so I think that he's, I think he's out, and I think that Jim Harbaugh is is never really been in, and so I think he could be in the background, uh, sort of on consult because Steve, let's face it, Steve Ross loves to consult with people. Um, he yeah. loves to. He, he does this all the time. I think Peyton Manning might be on in the background on, on consult. So I think that it's possible Jim is in background on consult, and that may even be where Vic Fangio's name comes into it. But uh, but I don't – is he going to be the coach here? No, absolutely not. The Harboroughs are out. It's odd that we haven't contacted a, a college coach yet. I think it's odd that somebody like Matt Rule of Baylor hasn't been contacted at all. And Matt but that would be State. Well, potentially – Potentially, I suppose, to, not to harm recruiting, but what I find interesting is that Dan Marino didn't want the VP job overseeing the whole operation. Yeah, and, we expected that. And supposedly they're looking for like a GM to fill Chris Greer's former seat, which is basically head of pro personnel uh, draft, the regional scouts. Why don't they just get Angroff to do that? Yeah, right. Like they could just promote right there or qualified do you really need a vp job because i think you kind of do or maybe or maybe he just wants dan marino sitting in the box with him having mm -hmm. an unofficial role and having him bounce ideas off of you you know maybe he yeah, wants to say all right this this guy sucks and that guy sucks and this guy sucks yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah. plant ideas in your head but without a formal role i found that odd because i did too i did too that, that i heard that, that hanging around again. the team like he's there more often than Tannenbaum. Really I don't think was. he. I don't think he wants the hassle. Yeah. Why does he want the hassle? But he's essentially but, already doing the job. Yeah. Is he though? I mean, is he really? Mm. Is he not just a figurehead? Is, is he on the hook? You know, is he? I think is, so. Is he on the hook for for his opinions? And, yeah. and maybe, maybe that's maybe what... Dan. Maybe Dan doesn't want to fail and mm. and have to get fired. You know what I mean? You no. Know, maybe he just doesn't want to work 
that much harder. He maybe just wants to be around the team. He wants to weigh in with his opinions. He just, you know, yeah. don't put me on the hook for all these decisions. I'm not a decision maker. I don't want that hassle. But, you know, if you want my opinion, I'll give it to you. That, that, it could be as simple as that. I, I don't know. I was, I was a little surprised, too. We expected it. We expected he was going to maybe not be given the job, you know, head of all football ops like John Elway, but a bump to uh, an official, you know, title bump to like VP. That's what I thought was in the offing. It wasn't, it, or maybe it was offered and he just said no, but it didn't happen. All right. While Simon investigates, I'll bounce something else off of you. Oh, no, it is. It's, it's Cliff Averill. Oh, oh Cliff, Cliff Averill. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, nice. Nice. Very nice. Oh, he would know. He would know some things. He would know. I'm going to message him now. I might not get a response before. Yeah, right. The show, awesome. Now, Chris, I'll bounce this one off of you. My idea of the reason why, because look, I'll be completely honest with you. I know a lot about the Kansas City Chiefs because I watched them a lot this year. I don't know anything about Eric Bieniemy. All I know about Eric Bieniemy <laughs> was what Simon's here for. Okay, all I know about Eric Bieniemy is that he was a pretty decent running back for the San Diego Chargers, and that he's short. That's it. <laughs> and he was pretty quick. He was an even better running back for the University of Colorado. When they won a came championship. He was third in the Heisman. Yes, he was third in the Heisman. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I don't know really much. I don't know anything about him as far as a coach. What I do know is that the head man is the guy that looks like a Christmas tree, Eric uh, Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. And his coaching tree produces. Like, mm -hmm. guys that coach under him go elsewhere and have success. That's what would make me attractive to him. Tell me, if I, am I wrong? Do you know a little bit here's, more about him? Here's an, so I will tell you that Bainami obviously was a, was a running back under under Coach, Coach Mack at Colorado when they won the national championship with Darian Hagen and, and all those great players, Mike Pritchard and whatever, back 20 to 25 years ago. It was a 30 for 30 that was made on them. And Bainami, I kind of wondered what had happened to him and completely lost the fact that he'd gone to the to the to the Chiefs and I loved him as a college player I loved him as a college running back his famous fumble in fact he had four fumbles in a game which Colorado ended up winning he kind of bounced back and won the uh, and scored the winning touchdown to put them essentially into the national championship game um, and I kind of wondered where he'd gone then all of a sudden realised he'd taken over from Matt Nagy and you know uh, he helps put the game plans together he doesn't call the plays and he recalls the plays but obviously he hears everything in his headphones and he's the one that talks to Pat Mahomes up until 15 seconds to go to the play clock runs out and then it shuts off so he's the one that's coordinating all the plays in Mahomes' ear but so let me read you a piece there's a piece from a, a really good Yahoo article which, which starts off uh, anybody walking near the Chiefs practice facility during the past six years might have unknowingly heard the man who's suddenly become one of the NFL's hottest coaching candidates. Such is the bass and volume of Bionami's spine-straightening voice that it reverberates hundreds of yards away, prompting a fascinating mixture of chuckles, stares, and compliance from all who hear his cornucopia of sayings, many of which range, range from the mundane, such as finish, or go get it, or score, to the, mm, slightly more animated. Most of the stuff he says has curse words in it, fullback Anthony Sherman told Yahoo Sports with a laugh. He is the greatest head coach I've ever worked with. Now, what I find interesting about him is that there was a very, there was a very interesting clip that NFL Films had of Tyreek Hill and of Patrick Mahomes sat on the sideline mid-season. And they were essentially caught saying that I like life under Bayern much more than I liked it under Matt Nagy. He just lets us go out and play. Feels like he is a fast-rising candidate who probably would have been uh, probably a head coach. Let's be honest about it. If he wasn't black, he probably would, would have been a head coach already. I think that's He's got six interviews. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. That's, a, gonna, that's amazing to me. He's going to get a job. 
he is going to get one of these jobs. I mean, it would be st- st- stunning to me if he didn't. Um, to me, he and Chris Rashard and, and Fangio are my favourite candidates. And I just think what I like about him and Rashard, especially, not only are they young and they represent part of the forward movement of the NFL in terms of the way that the game is going, but also that they're former players. And you look at the millennial generation of players, it's very, you look at Antonio Brown in that situation with the Steelers, for example. You, you have a group of, you know, these are not your grandma's players anymore. These are a new breed of guys who just do things differently. Your social media, money, all those sorts of things have changed the game forever and have changed the way that athletes are dealt with forever. And I just think if you've been there and you've done it, and that's not represent you know, Bill Belichick didn't play at much of a high level. You know, Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback. You know, coaches win Super Bowls doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean they have had to play the game at a high level. But I just kind of think that if you're trying to, if you're trying to draw a locker room together and you're just trying to, to coordinate players and to win over the trust of players, the fact that you've been there, the fact that you won a national championship in college, the fact that you finished second or third in the Heisman Trophy, the fact that you were a second round draft pick in the NFL, that you played in the NFL, those things matter. You know, to go into a locker room and say, you know what, I coached Adrian Peterson for the best five years of his career, a Hall of Fame running back. I, I coached Patrick Mahomes to, to 50 touchdown passes this season and win the MVP as essentially a rookie quarterback. You know, what have you done for me lately? Well, I'll tell you what, this is what the fuck I've done for you lately. Mm. I, that to me, I, I find that quite, I, I'm very intrigued by that. That's sexy to me. I, you know, that's, I like Darren Ritzy, that's, that's not sexy. Buying him strikes me as sexy. I'm I'm all about the sexy. He's he's my Scarlett Johansson. It's apparently all about sex. All right, it always is. All right, before before we actually make a few picks here, because there is actual football happening outside of Dolphin Kingdom. Okay, make a quick prediction, Simon. Who gets the job? Because it seems to be like these six are it, and nobody else. Who gets the job? I think Chris Rashard gets it. I think Bayern will go elsewhere because I don't think the Dolphins' job is sexy enough. I think Chris Rashard gets it. All right, Chris? I think Chris Rashard would get it if Mike Tannenbaum were still involved. Um, But but I think that, I mean, right now, I think it's Vic Fangio. Um, I think that – so one thing that I was told is that they want – so after after some of the last coaches that they've had, they don't feel like they've had a certain level of maturity in the way that uh, in the way that the press is handled, in the way that things are handled inside the building. With a couple of these coaches, we're not just picking on Adam Gase here, uh, and they want that maturity. And I look at Vic Fangio. I, I watch him work a room with the press in Chicago, and I've seen like a million of his press conferences there that's what you that it jumps out at you you know and um and i think that they they want an old head that's what they want and and i think fangio is probably tops among them i'm with you i think that's who's gonna be i, th- I think that's just gonna get the job eventually because i think that i think stephen ross is really gonna fall back to a default of i want competence i want a safe pick because i just don't want to do this anymore because mm-hmm. there is no secret he hates these coaching circles okay. he just wants somebody closer to his age <laughs> well that will work okay all right but fangio i will say this uh fangio um because you you mentioned darren rizzi alf and yeah. and how you know the first answer that you're gonna ask them the question what do you do with darren rizzi and if they say they get rid of him then then um then they fail uh fangio would not say to get rid of it fangio's been in this awkward position before with chicago he was interviewed by chicago mm-hmm. uh to be the head coach 
And before he said, when he, when he went back with Chicago as defensive coordinator, he said that um, he wanted to make sure before he interviewed with them as the head coach that, you know, whoever you hire, uh, I'm not going to make this awkward. Uh, and, and that's what's most important to me. So, you know, don't let this affect, affect you about the fact that I'm, that I'm interviewing or make, make this uh, whoever the new guy is if I don't get it. Um, think that, uh, you know, that I'm out to get him or something like that. He's been in that position. So I think he could be in the position to turn around and sort of, uh, you know, uh, talk to Darren Rizzi and uh, sort of assuage his fears and, and, um, and, you know, let him continue on as the special teams coordinator, possibly assistant head coach, you know, sort of, that sort of thing. Like you have a good chance of keeping Darren Rizzi if, if Vic Fangio is the guy, in my opinion. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if Fangio ended up in Denver. Mm. Yeah, that that that's, but, that smells like a a John Elway hiring, doesn't he? Mm, doesn't, you know, doesn't he's been wanting him. he's been wanting a defensive coach. Well, he just got Vance Joseph. So, but if there's any chance of John Harbaugh, then Elway is going to be all over it. Yeah, yeah. You know who's making the rounds also as a, as a candidate for offensive coordinator jobs? Gary Kubiak. Any interest whatsoever? <laughs> no, none. <laughs> okay. All right. What about Jim Bob Cooter? All right. <laughs> okay. Most so than Kubiak. We are running out of time. Football is happening. Simon, give me your Super Bowl participants and this year's champion. The Super Bowl will be between the Kansas City Chiefs and the New Orleans Saints. And I think the New Orleans Saints will win. I fucking hope the Patriots don't win again. I all get to the Super Bowl. Essentially, my entire NFL existence revolves around A, how well are the Dolphins doing? And then B, who can beat the Patriots to the Super Bowl? And that's literally how I, how I exist. <laughs> um, I think the Chiefs will beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. I think the Saints will beat the Rams. Yes, and Drew Brees will be the MVP of the Super Bowl. All right, Chris? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a total off the wall pick for the AFC representative. I think it's going to be the Chargers. Uh, they're seven and one on the road. They're heading on the road to play. The, this is their favorite position to be on the road. Um, they're heading on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens this week. Uh, I think they're if they're road warriors, then they might then then they're they're built for playoffs because playoffs are are really hard conditions. So they'll represent the AFC. New Orleans Saints, to me, have it in the NFC. Um, you know, fight me if you think different. Uh, so I think the, the Saints probably uh, probably win the Super Bowl, but it'll be Phil Rivers and Drew Brees in the Super Bowl. That's and we day. have a complete sweep. All three of us agree the Saints will win the Super Bowl. I think they will beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a great Super Bowl. Imagine that matchup, Mahomes versus Brees. Mm. God, I love Mahomes. And I think the Patriots will be defeated in their second-round matchup which I think will be against the Houston Texans. So it's going to be, be the two Texans. school quarterbacks in the AFC Championship against probably Goff versus Breeze in the NFC. Breeze wins. Mahomes wins. Breeze beats Mahomes in Atlanta. All right. That's it. There is no more. Next week, we'll probably be still talking about, you know, who they're looking for. Maybe, maybe they'll have more interviews by then. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.